right. Hey, good morning, everybody, to all of our guests. Thank you for being here for the first time or the first time in a long time. Can we just really quickly make sure that everybody that knows, uh, everybody online watching right now knows that they are just as important to us as everybody in the house. Can we just praise God for the opportunity to stream right to you when you can't come to us. We are in a series called The Power of Generous. And, and we have laid out over the last few weeks what I believe to be a good foundation for communicating the spirit behind the action. Okay? Or, or let me say it this way, the heart behind the habit. Let me just, I'm going to come right out of the gates today. I'm going to let you know this. Giving is an action, okay? But generosity or to be generous, that's not an action. To be generous is a spirit. And you see that spirit in God. For God so loved that he, that was the action. He gave as an action because of the spirit behind the action. Okay, so as we move forward today, I'm just, I should probably do this every week. I should probably give this disclaimer at some point. It's probably going to happen. But, but this week specifically, I'm going to give you a disclaimer. There are, there are two things, one of two things that are going to happen today. Okay, just because of the way I'm going to preach this message and the practicality and the challenge that I'm going to offer you. Okay. You're going to have two opportunities. Now, the enemy, we'll just call him what he is, the devil today, is going to give you the opportunity to be offended. That's going to happen. Just watch. It's going to happen on the way. Maybe like right at the end. You're going to think, nope, not me. He's not going to get me. You wait. I'm telling you. But at the same time, Jesus is going to give you the opportunity to be obedient. And that's how you tell, by the way, which one is the enemy and which one is the anointing or which one is the devil and which one is the savior is that the enemy always wants you to be offended because he knows if he can keep you offended, then he can keep you from being obedient and from being anointed. But Jesus wants you to always be obedient. Okay, so, so every time today, you're, and you're going to have to do this several times. I'm just letting you know right now. Every time today that you sense a spirit of offense beginning to rise up in you. Remember, because giving is an action, but generous is a spirit. Every time that you feel that or sense that spirit of offense beginning to rise up, I want you to, to remind that devil to go back to where he belongs because that victory has already been won. That problem has already been paid for. Okay? But every time that you sense that spirit of offense, what it really is, is the Holy Spirit convicting you, hear me, into new levels of surrender and new levels of obedience in your life. Hear me, listen, Jesus does not want to be a part of your life. I don't know who told you that, but that's biblically wrong. Jesus does not want to be a part of your life. Look at your neighbor and say, what is he talking about? 
Now look at your least favorite neighbor and ask them what they, what Jesus <laughs> That Jesus, hear me, I'm telling you. Jesus does not want to be part of your life. Jesus wants to be in control of your life. And there's a difference. You can see a life that Jesus is a part of, like he's included. Come on, he doesn't want to be included. He wants to be in charge. So there's a difference in being a part and being in charge, okay? So here's the good news. You with me? This is the first thing I wrote down last week writing this message. This is the thing I felt like I was supposed to write down. And I had no idea why I was writing it down, but I was like, very well. doesn't make any sense to me, but I can always preach this. Number one, Jesus won. Well, that's good news. Jesus won. Like, listen, Jesus is not going to win. He already won. Like, what we're going to see is just a byproduct of the victory that has already been had. That's what's coming. That's what we're going to see. And listen, when Jesus gave, he didn't lose. It looked like he lost, but he didn't lose. When Jesus gave, he won. And he didn't give to get. He, he gave to give to somebody else. And that somebody is us. Here's the good news about this first, very first point. that I had no idea why I was writing it down at the time. Jesus won. So when, when I'm in him, guess what? I win too. So if I'm in him and he won... And when he gave, he didn't lose. When I'm in him and I give, I win. That's my, that's my personal conviction. Look, some of y'all are already squirming. That's the devil. I'm telling you right now. I just told you a minute ago. He wants you to be uncomfortable with what God has to say about this area of your life. He wants you to get uncomfortable. I'm going to talk about finances today. And you're gonna, some of you are going to get irritated. Some of you are going to get offended. I'm telling you, that's the devil. How do I know? Because the devil doesn't want you to give. I know that. He doesn't want you to give anything, ever. He definitely doesn't want you to give anything to God. He definitely doesn't want you to do anything in the name of Jesus. He wants you to hold on to what you have. Protect yourself and nobody else. So if we believe that we are joint heirs with Jesus, Jesus won, we win, that means we are blessed. Right? Very simple. We are blessed. Let's look at what the Bible actually says about blessing. What is blessing? Because I, I, I've always had a very bad definition of blessing. Because my, my definition of blessing was based on what I heard the televangelists say. Like I had a TBN definition of blessing. You know what I'm talking about? I had a sow your seed of $1,000 definition of blessing. Or, or I had a Wall Street definition of blessing. Now, I'm from North Louisiana, so y'all may not know anything about this. I had a KRMD definition of blessing. That's a country music radio station. That was what my doctrine was based on. I'm telling you, what they sang about God, that's what I believed. Some of you have a French Cajun definition of blessing, because they mentioned God on occasion. The biblical definition of blessing, the word, in the Old Testament, used over 300 times, it's called Barak, B-A-R-A-C-K. Barak, that's the biblical definition of blessing. It doesn't mean to get a blessing. It is literally translated to bless. This is what blessing means. When you receive a blessing, what you're really doing is receiving an opportunity to bless someone who blesses. Because you can't give what you don't have. 
Y'all okay? I know it's a lot. Like, we're digging. We just came right out of the gate today. I told you you are going to be offended by the devil. I mean, you guys are just, just simmering, letting it stir. It really means it has nothing to do with what you get financially. It has nothing to do with you never having any struggles in this life. It has to do with the fact that you're blessed to bless the one who blesses. And when you do that in his name, then you reciprocate what you're receiving. That's why he says to, hey, to one who much is given, right? Much is expected. There's a big responsibility there. But to he who gives, more will be given. And then he even says, like, press down, shaken together. See, we think, we're, automatically we're thinking, oh, I'm going to get some stuff. No, no, no. You're going to get more opportunity, to give more opportunity because you're blessed to bless the one who blesses. In the New Testament, the word blessing, the most common use of the word, there's two words, but the one that's most common, it's called makarios. Some of you have heard this before. It means literally to be more than happy. It doesn't mean to just be happy because there's a lot of people that are happy. They want a Powerball. They're happy. <laughs> I was in North Louisiana when the Hainesville shell was discovered. People started getting money in their mailbox. They were happy. And, and now the, the money start running out. They no more happy. <laughs> Listen to me. Your, your happiness may be tied to your happenings, but your joy should never be tied to anything that the world can take away. Never should your joy be tied to anything that the world can give or take away. If it doesn't come from God, you can't tie your joy to it. Makarios is more than happy. So the power to me, the power of generous is that I'm blessed. To bless the one who blesses. Okay, that was a really long way of saying this one statement. So if you missed everything else and you're really confused right now, just write this next thing down. When we're forgiven, we should be forgiving. Because forgiven people are forgiving people. You just can't. Freely you received. Freely give. I believe that Jesus talked as much about earthly finances, worldly possessions, materialism, and the spirit of mammon. By the way, mammon is not money. Mammon is the spirit behind the love of money. That's why... Jesus said you cannot serve both God and mammon. He doesn't have anything to do with money. It has to do with the spirit behind the money. See, because giving is an action, but generosity is a spirit. So you can't serve the spirit of greed, mammon, and the spirit of generosity, Jesus, at the same time. That servant can't exist in the same vessel. So when we're forgiven, when we understand what he's done for us, then it's just a byproduct that we become obedient to him. Genesis chapter 4, we see a man who was seemingly obedient. This may be a familiar passage to some of you in verse 6. The Bible says, the Lord said to Cain. Now Cain was the son of Adam. He was the brother of Abel. And Cain, hear me, listen. Cain gave an offering. He gave an offering. He just didn't give the offering. He gave his leftovers. 
Now, I've heard a lot of messages preached that it was the difference between the blood and the grain and, and the meat versus the field. But listen, God doesn't care what you do for a living, okay? As long as it's honorable and you do it for Him. He just doesn't want you to find your identity in what you do for a living. He wants you to find your identity in Him and then use what you do for a living to provide for His kingdom. That's His heart. But Cain found his identity in what he got to do instead of who he was. And so he gave an offering. He gave some leftovers. Okay? And then watch. The Bible says, Cain, why are you angry? Why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? Now, you've seen this. You've even felt it. Like you went somewhere and you were minding your own business. Everything was going good. You were worshiping. The atmosphere was great. And then all of a sudden, they received an offering. And you had the fallen face. Your whole countenance. just oh, There it is. They told me he was going to do it. And there it is. I knew I couldn't come to this church for a year without him talking about money. You got the fallen face. That's the cane face. You can feel it. You got to fight it. You're like, oh, oh. How much more do I have to... Hang on. See, don't make the mistake of tying your identity to what you do. Okay? It's just a byproduct. Cain didn't get this. Why is your face falling? Why you got the horse face, man? What's wrong with you? Verse 7, if you do well, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, do you not understand that sin is crouching at the door? The devil wants you to be offended. Guys, Cain was offended. Why? He gave an offering. I gave you an offering. I did what you told me to do. No, no, you got the habit right, but you got the heart wrong. Cain was frustrated, and God said, sin's crouching at your door, son. Its desire is contrary to you. The enemy's desire is to keep you offended because he knows that if he can keep you offended, he can keep you from being obedient. But you must rule. Radah. It's the same, this is the same word that God told Cain's daddy. When he told him that it was his right as God's creation to rule over all of the earth. This was the dominion that God gave to Cain's daddy. And now just a few chapters later, he's having to re-communicate or reiterate what he had revealed to Cain's daddy. Hey, you, gotta, you have to radar. And this is how you understand. The first sin, it, hear me, the first sin was tied to disobedience. Actually, the first sin was tied to pride because it was Lucifer. The second sin was tied to disobedience. The third sin was when they started blaming one another for their problems instead of accepting responsibility for what they had done. Now we see right here in the beginning... The next sin has to do with finances. Why? Because we've been putting our faith and our finances over our Father since the day of creation. And guys, as much as anything is wrong with America. See, if I start preaching on sexual immorality, y'all are all in. If I start preaching on drunkenness, revelry, partying, acting like a fool, living like a hellion, come on, I can make the church shout, scream, dance, and point at somebody. Come on, that's a... But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, whenever I start talking about what we put our faith in more than anything else, man, the church goes silent. Why? Because I'm messing with your idol. 
I'm messing with your priorities. I am all up in your security right now. Why? Because predominantly in Western Christianity, this is why TBN does, does so well with this side of the gospel. Because predominantly, the American Christian security is tied to their resource, not their source. And when you start messing with somebody who has tied their identity to resource over source, they get offended. Cain was offended. Let me tell you how to break this offense. Number two, give God your best. Oh, see, when I said Jesus won, y'all were ready to shout, wave some hankies, and do a little Pentecostal happy dance. <laughs> You've seen it. It's got one foot over here and starts doing like this. I don't know why they only move one leg at a time. And then why they get out in the aisle. I don't understand. What's so important about the aisle? Just Pentecostal happy dance right where you're standing. You ain't got to get on the aisle. But it's just the way it goes, man. Give God your best. Hold up. Wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I was here for what God could do for me. Listen, I'm telling you, we are coming into a time where the people who are living for Jesus because of what, they, what he can do for them are going to be sifted by the enemy. They're going to react and respond just like everybody else. That's why 2020, hear me, that's why 2020 has been so difficult for the church. Because it was exposing the church's idols. 2020 exposed the idols sitting in sanctuaries every Sunday morning. 2020 exposed where we put our faith. That's why people can go to travel ball, but they can't go to Sunday services. I'm just saying, I've seen it. I've seen it. Now, it's not happening as much here. Because you here. If, he if you here, I'm not talking about you. If you're playing travel ball right now, I'm talking about, yeah, I went right there. <laughs> now, there's nothing wrong with being somewhere or taking a Sunday. But when you begin to give God your leftovers instead of your best, listen to me. We don't tip God after we've been served. God's not our waiter. God's not our waiter. Like, we don't give him whatever's left after we pay the check of everything that we wanted. We tithe before we take. So I'm just going to go straight to that right now today. Why? Because I, this is my personal conviction. My personal conviction is that when Jesus said it, it's still true, right? If Jesus said it, then it's still true. Man, and I was preaching Jesus one, and we were right there. Yeah, that's right. I'm victorious. Come on, somebody. Preach that 17 times over. Let the devil know what Jesus did for me. Yeah, but all of a sudden, when I start saying we tithe before we take, now we step back and say, wait, wait, wait. God wants me to give my best, not just my rest. Why do we tithe before we take? Because God is not my waiter. God is my worth. My identity is not tied to what God does for me. My identity is tied to what he's already done to me. So I'm not obedient because of what I want him to do. I'm obedient because of what he's already done. Who he is for me now. Genesis chapter 4 verse 4. This is before we read about the curse of Cain. The Bible says Abel also brought an offering. See... Did you guys notice that, like, Cain, he gave an offering. Like, that's what's so confounding about this story to me. 
like it seems like God's being mean man he already gave can you imagine how many American Christians fit into the Cain spirit today I have and God convicted me that's why I'm telling you because I figure if God's going to shove it down my throat I'm going to help you eat it too like somebody going to help me not choke okay so do I have the spirit of Cain offense and greed or do I have the spirit of Abel generous obedient because Abel gave an offering too and the Bible says Abel gave the fat portions yeah the ones that make the grease pop portions y'all know what I'm talking about Abel gave some crackling portions come on somebody he gave the fat portions from some of the notice first not the left not the rest he got what was first. In other words, Abel's tithing before he takes. He's given to God, and he has the heart meeting the habit. And so watch what happens when the heart meets the habit, which is the title of the message today, the fat portions from... Now look, this is, what are the fat, fat portions? I don't want no fat. Hang on. The portions that were tied to the fat portions. Okay, so... Just imagine it like this. Uh, Abel didn't give God rib meat. Okay, now look, I, I got nothing against ribs. If you want to nibble on ribs, I'll nibble with you. Okay? But don't you invite me to my don't you invite me to your house, serve me ribs, and you eat a bone in ribeye. I'm still your plate. I'll tell you right now, I'm gonna lick my fork, rub it all over your meat. Because there's nothing wrong with ribs. Hallelujah. But when you take ribs and you compare it to a bone in ribeye. That's not the same game. Abel gave God the first of the bone. In other words, Abel was like, listen, I understand the only reason I have anything is because you have everything. So, and this is all you want is my first? Like, I would have given you the whole thing. But all you want is the, a portion of the first? Yeah, yeah, Lord, you can have that. I'm going to go ahead and give you this before you ask me anything else. <laughs> and then watch, the Bible says the Lord looked. He didn't give him favor. Because favor can't be given. He looked with favor. Favor is not tied to possessions. Favor is not tied to a parking space at Walmart. <laughs> Go park in the back. Let somebody else have the front. I mean, unless you got all your kids and I'm backing into that spot. <laughs> I'll wave at Granny. Bye, girl. <laughs> I got three kids with me. <laughs> that blue sticker parked closer. <laughs> no, no, no. He looked with favor. This word, favor... It's S-H-A-W-A-W. God looked at Abel's offering and said, Shah. Actually, he said, Shah. He looked with favor. See, Abel wasn't after God's provision. Abel was after God's presence. And the Lord looked with favor. It, it could be seen, um, we celebrated my, my mother-in-law's uh, 41st birthday for the 20th time last weekend. So I, I really don't know if that's the right math or not, but that's funny. And so she's probably watching, love you. And so, and so we celebrate, and so for her birthday, her, we call her Gran, because that's what she is. Thank you, Lord. Um, and, and my child, Megan's children made cards. This wasn't my idea, it was Megan's idea. She, our, our children made cards for Gran. 
And they went in the back. I mean, they worked. But they were back there for a long time. I'm like, uh, hey, the kids are really quiet. Where are they? <laughs> go, what's wrong? Something's wrong. They're being too quiet. She's like, no, no, no. They're making grand cards. And so they made cards for grand. They decorated the cards. You open the card and their heart would pop up and, you know, glitter would come out and stuff. It was all kinds of stuff. We were cleaning up for days after the cards were open. But, but they were so excited to make grand the cards. And then, and then one of them took their money and put it in the card. Like grand needed their money. Grand got more money than all of us, okay? In fact, one of them probably, was probably my money they put into Grand's card. <laughs> The grand opens the card, she starts making the face. That face wasn't falling. Come on, it was lifted. Because you either have a favor face or a fallen face, and it depends on your obedience. And grand, grand got the favor face. She began to look at those cards, and she just began, and then she opened the card and it had money in it. It's like, ah! And Megan said, she put her money in it. That's her money. She put it in there for you. That girl made more money than any of us made last week whenever she gave that first. <laughs> Guys, that, that is the sha'ah of God. When you give God your best, you get to see him begin to reveal his best. And it may not always be tied. It doesn't mean you're not going to have any problems. It doesn't mean you're going to get all the possessions. It means that his presence, come on, if you don't get anything else, his presence looks upon your life with favor. That is what you're after. I'm telling you, everything else will turn to dust. But when you walk in the favor of God... What did, what did God do for Abel? Man, he must have got him like a new goat or something, right? Somebody, man, somebody showed up on Abel's front doorstep with a whole cow. Come on. Something significant had to happen, right? No, no, no. Watch this. Abel's offering, Abel's obedience, it cost him his life. That's what happened. He got dead. <laughs> he didn't get any kind of blessing. You're telling me Abel gave his best to God and God let him get dead? Just, just let Cain kill him, standing right there. No, 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 no. He let Cain send him home. See, he was looking with so much favor on Abel, he couldn't even leave him on the earth any longer. <laughs> he had to bring him up to heaven. He said, heaven's got to have this kind of obedience. I can't even leave that down there any longer. Abel's obedience cost him his life. Listen to me. Jesus doesn't want to be a part of your life. He wants to be in control of every area, especially the one that you put the most faith in. That's the area that God wants your absolute obedience in. Man, Chris, you don't understand. If I start giving that way, I'm going to have to change everything. Yeah, I've been preaching that all year. <laughs> That is basically the point of every sermon every Sunday. Is that you would see what God has done for you. And it would impact what you've been doing or not doing for or against him. That you would allow Jesus to change everything. Everything. 
No, Chris, you don't understand. Like, if I serve on that team, I'm, I'm going to have to show up early and stay late. Like, I'm not just going to be able to sneak in 10 or 15 minutes after and then leave five minutes before and check off the list that I showed up for service. I'm going I'm to have to, like, I'm going to have to be there. Like, I'm going to have to talk to people. I ain't trying to talk to nobody. I'm trying to worship. I ain't trying to talk to nobody. I'm just trying to get me some Jesus. I came here for Jesus. They in my way. Can't even see the preacher right now. The dude's falling asleep. You don't understand, Chris. If, if I host a small group next, next spring, if I co-lead because I've already been in a small group every semester, if I decide to lead because I've already been co-lead, you don't understand. Man, I'm going to have to study something before I go to small group. I'm going to have to clean my house on Sunday afternoon. I don't clean on Sunday. I nap on Sunday. You don't understand what it's going to cost me. You don't understand that if I start giving to God first, I'm going to have to reprioritize my entire budget. If I start giving God the first 10% of everything I have, I'm going to have to reprioritize how I do everything. Listen. It's been a long time coming for you to reprioritize if God is not the priority. I'm telling you, you don't want to leave things out of proper priority. They're not in their proper place. If God, listen, God don't want to be in it. Let me give you a simple test. I think this one's from Jesus. Maybe it's Chris. Look, if this is me, don't even get mad. Feel bad for me. Because I have to stand before God Almighty and, and, and give an account for preaching this sermon, believing this way, and communicating it the way that I am. So instead of getting mad at me, you should feel bad. Pray for me. Because I've got to give an answer for this. Let me give you a really easy way to see if God is first priority. Is Jesus... In your auto draft, or is that just everything else you want? Is Jesus tied to what automatically comes out every single month? Or do you give if there's something left? This, this is tough. But I'm telling you, you got to give God your best. Some of you are getting offended. I told you, that's the devil. Here he comes. Because we don't like when people start messing with the things that we believe in more than God. And I'm sharing this with you because this is what we believe. This is what we practice. You can ask Miss Debbie. Because you may think I might lie to you. But if you think Miss Debbie going to lie to you, there's something wrong with you. You can ask her how many times in my four and a half year tenure as a pastor of this church, how many times I've walked into her office and asked her to get up from her computer because I need to look up somebody's tithing record. I, I have never, I have never just looked up somebody's, I have no idea what you give unless you ask for money. If you ask for money, you're saying you give me the right to look at what you've given to God. Why? Because... You can't give, you can't receive if you hadn't been given. I can, I can give you a handout, but I can't give you back 
what you've been sowing in if you hadn't been sowing anything in. Because I'm giving you somebody else's. I'm giving you some, I'm looking at what you're asking for. That is why, listen, people that come in, and we don't get a lot of it. But people come in, and, and they don't go to church here, and, and they've never given anything here, and they've never done anything, and they come in, and they want us to pay their light bill. I'll pay it one time. One time. And, here's what, and then here's what I say. I better see you on Sunday. And you better make sure I see you on Sunday. I told a girl a couple of weeks ago that we helped as a church. I gave her, the call, I gave her, I gave her my, my personal $50 gift card after we had paid as a church for everything else. I looked at her and I said, you have no excuse for me not to see you in heaven. None. If you go to hell, it's because you wanted to. Why? Because I'm giving her money. Like, I wanted to go home after preaching three services. I'm at Walmart helping her. I told her, if you don't live for Jesus, you have no excuse. God put a pastor in your way on a Sunday that you weren't even in church. He brought the, he brought the church to you. You have no excuse. And I tell people that come, we pay one time, one time. If I never see you again, I tell them, don't even come back. Don't come ask here again because I'm not going to give it to you again. Why? Because I don't believe in handouts. I don't believe in enabling somebody, just paying off somebody's debt so that they can continue in their sin. That is not what we do. We give people a hand up. When somebody comes and they go here, I'll check, I'll look, and I'll see what they've given, if they've given. I'll give everything they've given back if I have to, but now we're going to have a conversation about why your finances aren't working out the right way. Is it because you're being disobedient or is it because you're being a bad steward? Because I'm not talking about giving God 10% and then just doing whatever you want to with the rest of it. Like he's just going to provide for your every want because you, you were obedient to what was required. Listen to me. I, I believe, I agree, Michael Jr. is one of my favorite comedians. And then all of a sudden in being funny, he, he just drops these little one-liners in. He said, I'm talking about giving today. He said, I'm, I'm not talking about the tithe. The tithe is not giving. The tithe is just not being a thief. The tithe is just not robbing. Here was the point of me saying, I've, I've not checked. It is very unlikely that I have checked your giving record or your giving statement. Miss Debbie takes care of that. You get those from her. You don't get those from me. But I can tell you one person whose giving statement I will check. Whatever little boy, whatever grown man, because I ain't giving my baby no little boy. Okay, We're just going off right now. And y'all think I'm playing. You don't know me. So... <laughs> When that young man comes to me and he asks for my daughter, I'm going to check his tithe record. Just stay right here. I got to go look at something. I'm going to check his tithe record. Why? Because why in the world would I give the greatest offering that I have on earth to a thief? If he doesn't trust God with his finances, why in the world would I trust him with my baby? If you can't be trusted with earthly mammon, then why would I give you true treasure? It wouldn't make any sense for me to hand off my, own, my greatest offering outside of my wife. My greatest offering. Why would I give him heaven's treasure if he can't be trusted with earthly mammon? By the way, those words were written in red. Jesus said that. I'm just taking it and applying to my daughter's date life. <laughs> I love it, when Jesus, love it when Jesus says stuff I can shove down some little punk boy's throat. <laughs> you better know your word coming here asking me for my baby. Let me show you a picture. <laughs> this guy all the way over on your right, that's Pastor Peter. Uh, in Cho and his bride, uh, right beside Pastor Peter is Aaron 
And then over here is Stephanie DiMaggio. Those are the missionaries. You know, m many of you know Brooks Bundick. He's probably in the back right now running production for us like he does every week, uh, almost incessantly, sometimes too much. These are two young ladies that work with Pastor Aaron and Stephanie over south of Nairoc or Nairobi, Kenya. Pastor Peter was actually just a street boy in Kenya that Pastor Aaron and Stephanie saw give his life to Jesus, and he is now an Assembly of God pastor over in Kenya. He is holding a fire Bible. A fire Bible is like Bible college in God's Word. It has commentaries, explanations. You sent us to Africa almost two years ago, over two years ago now, almost two years ago now, you sent us to Africa and we were able to present Pastor Peter with this Bible college commentary for him to be able to study and learn. Pastor Peter still follows us on Facebook. You will see him actually comment on our church's Facebook page at times. He doesn't have the resource that we have. Come on, but he knows that this church is in his corner. Why? Because I believe, let me just tie it to this. I believe that we had a single mother sell a car that she should have never afforded so that she could get into a car that was still nice and got her back and forth so that she could reprioritize her entire budget, put God at the front and the first, give God her absolute best and because she gave we were able to buy a bible and go to africa and present this street kid with a bible college version of god's word so that he can minister to god's people that's what happens it's just one it's just one in fact next week we're going to show you a video next week we're not doing it this week we're going to give you a week to pray about it make sure it's not the devil making you be emotional okay give you a week to pray about it. next week <clears throat> we're going to join the fire bible initiative that the louisiana network office district office of the assemblies of god has decided to partner with the louisiana network wants to buy eight thousand bibles for pastors in serbia and sri lanka who do not currently have a study bible for sure they may not even have a bible and they're trying to pastor could you imagine y'all we got bibles laying around in place we didn't even know we had bibles to these people, a Bible, especially a commentary study Bible, is like, uh, it was like me handing him a bag of gold. His eyes watered. When's the last time your eyes watered up because somebody gave you a Bible? We take God's word so for granted. We have an opportunity next week for $25 a Bible. And we're, we've already actually designated in last week's board meeting how much we're going to, we're already going to appropriate. But we want to give you another opportunity to give above and beyond in providing Bibles for pastors in Serbia and Sri Lanka so that we can get God's word in the hands of people that need it the most. And when you give God your best, listen, you begin to build God's kingdom in a way that you wouldn't have otherwise. Here's my third and final point. What's the best? The first 10% is the best. Listen, from Genesis to Revelation and everywhere in between, we don't tip God after he serves us. We tithe. We tithe. Listen, this is the baseline. This is the baseline of what we should give. I am not telling you this message so you can try to go back and catch up in 2020. 
I'm telling you this because I want you to carry this conviction and begin to build God's kingdom in a way that you would not have otherwise. It is the first 10% of everything that you are. And nobody is saying, hey, give 10% and do whatever you want to with the rest of your time, your ability or talent, and certainly your treasure. Why, do I, why am I talking about finances today? Why am I spending so much time on this money thing? Because Jesus said, Jesus, you remember the one that won? Hey, hallelujah, he won and in him I have the victory. I don't even fight. I just worship and this is how I fight my battles. Okay, we can praise God to that. But then all of a sudden when I say, hey, let's give God the first 10% because the first 10% is the best. We all of a sudden go, whoa, whoa. And I'm just a money-hungry preacher. What happens all of a sudden to our faith? Whenever we start to apply it to our finances. Why is that the area where people seem to be the most offended? Nobody's saying just give God 10% and then do whatever you want to with the rest. That's not, what this, that's not the message. The message is start with 10%. And then let God guide the rest. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart shall be also. You know what? I, I believe this. If you don't believe this, that's okay. that's okay. I believe I want Jesus on auto draft because I want him to put me on direct deposit. Come on, somebody. I, I, that's what I believe. I'm not just preaching this. This is what we practice. Like, like I may miss. I, we might, we might, we, and there have been times like the electricity, it went off. Just went off. Came home. And, well, that ain't good. My neighbor's got electricity. My neighbor's got electricity. The sun is shining. Why is my electricity off? But I tell you what, we're not going to miss. We're not going to miss what God has required. I would rather give above and beyond. Because you, you can't outgive God. But I almost did several times. Like in the shower, in tears, wondering where God was. Because I gave in an offering and now I couldn't afford to do what was going on. And then all of a sudden, God showed up. You know what he showed up with? Not just a check from somebody. He showed up with an opportunity from somebody. Because he wants me to appreciate and be grateful and understand where my ability and my time and my resource all came from. Let me read you a scripture. We'll close. Genesis 14, verse 17. The Bible says, Then after Abram, is he in this passage, his return from the defeat of Kedor Laomer and the kings. I have that phonetically spelled in my notes, by the way. I'm not really that good. I just spelled it out so I wouldn't mess it up. And the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom, went out to meet him in the valley of Shiva. That is the king's valley. And, and here, this is who we're honing in on. Melchizedek, king of Salem. Watch, Kizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now, anybody that's ever read scripture before, you understand when the Bible says bread and wine, now we're talking about communion right now. This king of Salem, he brought out bread and wine. Just like God sent the king of all creation 
And he was the bread and the wine. Jesus came with bread and wine. It was his body and his blood. We understand. This is the image of something that is coming. Melchizedek and his communion is imagery of Jesus and his desire for communion. But he was also, the Bible says, priest of God Most High. Now there was only one other person leading all through Scripture who was both a king... And a priest. In other words, the king over people and a priest for people. This guy was both. This is Jesus in the Old Testament. It's the image of Christ himself we're seeing. And the Bible says, verse 19, that Melchizedek blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, verse 20, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Watch this. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Notice, this is the first time we see the tithe. Nobody in this passage was giving to get. Abram did not give to get a blessing. He blessed to the one who was blessing. He gave because he already had the blessing. He gave out of the blessing, not in order to receive the blessing. It's very important. If you will take this and contrast it to Cain and Cain's greed... See, you look at it and you go, man, God cursed Cain. No, no, no. Cain cursed himself. Just like we look and we go, man, God God is cursing my relationships. No, 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 no. Your selfishness is cursing your relationship. Man, man, God God is, is cursing my love life. No, no, no. Your impurity is cursing your love life. It's disobedience that is the curse. God didn't curse Adam and the woman. He pronounced the curse they brought on themselves. Because you can't be disobedient and walk in deliverance at the same time. Disobedience always brings bondage in every area. This applies to finances as well. God's not cursing your finances. Your greed and overspending is cursing your finances. You're trying to be like other people instead of just being like Jesus. Trying to have what you see instead of what he wants. That's what's cursing. American Christianity is cursing our finances. That's what happened to the church in 2020. If this is what you'll put your faith in, I'll take that away and see how faithful you are. That's why so many churches are having so many problems right now. Because God removed the idols. And when you are leaning on something and God takes it away, there's only one direction to go and it ain't up. God's not cursing you. Your disobedience is. So Jesus has given us an opportunity today. Can you imagine what Abraham saw in the future? We get to see it in retrospect. We put our faith in Jesus because we know what he's already done. Abraham had to put his faith in Jesus because of what he thought. And the Bible says it was his faith that was counted unto him as righteousness. We already know that Jesus became sin, the one who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Jump down with me. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 4. 
The Bible says, consider then how great this Melchizedek was if even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of what he had taken in battle. Now just pause that for a second because I need you to understand that this would be a great time to explain that the tithe no longer applies to the New Testament. This would be a great time. For the author of Hebrews, many scholars believe it to be Paul. There's some discrepancy there. This would be a great time to go, and now look, now, now Abraham had to give a tenth because he was, under the, he was under the old covenant. But you being under the new covenant, you don't have to give a tenth. And I know, listen, the author of Hebrews confirms that what Jesus does, it just begins with the tenth. It's not an opportunity to neglect the tenth. That would be like thinking you could walk around committing adultery just because Jesus fulfilled the law. No, 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 listen, hear me, listen, listen. The Pharisees had enough faith to practice the tenth. What's wrong with the American church? Why is this the place that we decide to get a fit? Why is this the area we think, well, God doesn't want to be in charge of that area too. He doesn't expect me to really do that. He knows that's my money. I mean, he gave it to me. No, 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 the tenth is confirmed. The best is the first 10%. Verse 15, this change has been made very clear since a different priest who is like Melchizedek has appeared. Verse 16, Jesus became a priest. He fulfilled the law, therefore expanded the law. He would say things like, you don't just tithe and get to neglect the even greater areas of sacrifice. You don't just not sleep with someone that's not your spouse. You're not even supposed to look at them to lust. He's not denying what you shouldn't do. He's expanding the opportunity to be even more obedient. It says, Jesus became a priest, not by meeting a physical requirement of belonging to the tribe of Levi, but by the power of a life that cannot be destroyed. And the psalmist pointed this out when he prophesied, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Listen, this hasn't changed. This hasn't changed in the last 2,000 years. We're still in the same place. Listen to me. If, if Abram thought it necessary... To give Melchizedek a tenth. Because Jesus was coming. Then how much more important is it that we trust God with the first 10%. Which is our best. Because Jesus has already come. And he's coming back. See, when we give, we don't just, we don't just give to Jesus. We become like Jesus. Joint heirs in the promise of Abraham who gave a tenth to Melchizedek. It's confirmation. Listen, this is how you make your finances obedient unto God. And when you make your finances obedient to God, you can begin to make your faith obedient to God. Because where your treasure is, there your heart shall be also. And when you become obedient, even and especially in this area, God is no longer just a part of your priorities. No, he's in charge of your priorities. And he makes everything line up. Maybe not for what you thought was best, but what is absolutely and actually the best for you. That you don't just give to Jesus. No, you give. That's the action. 
Because generosity is the spirit to become like Jesus. Why? Hear me. Because when Jesus gave, he didn't lose. Oh, yes, Lord. No, no, no. Jesus won. And when you give to him, you win. Your life, your time, your talent, guys, even your treasure. Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Father, for every person in this place today, may we examine. Offended or obedient? Lord, you know we're not preaching this because we're in need. We're preaching this because this is part of the conviction that we carry and the principles that we practice. So God, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I pray right now that every follower of Jesus in this place would examine, are you a part of our lives or are you in control? God, I pray today, right now, today, that somebody would tithe for the very first time. Not because we're in need, but because I believe it breaks the curse of disobedience. Giving God, giving you their best. God, don't let them walk away and think about it. Let them begin today to align the heart with the habit and watch what happens. Watch you begin to pour out opportunities to bless the one who blesses and to be even more than happy in such a difficult day. Lord, I pray for anybody in here right now that doesn't know you as Lord, that hasn't received salvation, that's not following you as their Savior. God, I pray right now that you would blow through this place and that nobody would leave here outside of a relationship with you. As the church is praying, if, if the Holy Spirit is talking to you and, and saying, hey, give me your life. I can fix your finances. I can fix your faith. I can fix your failure. Maybe I just bring you home. But I need you. Before you give me anything else, I want your heart. I want your life. If you have not been living for Jesus, I don't care how many times you prayed this prayer, if you've not been living for Jesus, today is your day. Right now is your opportunity. Will you open your hands in your lap right where you are? Right where you are, just position yourself to receive. The gift is free. But you have to be willing to receive it. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, receive salvation for the first time or the first time in a long time, right now, open up your hands. Church, I want to ask you to pray loud so that anybody that needs to pray this prayer will pray out loud. If you're watching online, confess with your mouth. Come on, let's pray this together. Jesus, forgive me for my disobedience. Where I've fallen, I've been greedy. I believe you gave your life so I could live. I'm forgiven in you. You were raised from the dead so I could be born again. Lord, take my life. Make it yours. In every area, I surrender. I will follow you with all of my heart from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can somebody praise God today? Shoot. Hey, if you're tired, I get to do that one more time. 
pray for us and those that are coming in. We'll do our best to get them out uh, as close. Hey, listen, I want to remind you just a couple of things. Uh, Number one, if you just received salvation or rededicated your life to Jesus, maybe really dedicated your life to Jesus, please let us know. Just text us. Text I believe to 84576. We just want to send you a resource. We want to connect with you. We want to know what God is doing in your life. And this is how we find out. Please don't leave. Listen to me. Some of you, I'm about to give you an opportunity to be obedient for the first time ever. Truly obedient. Not partially obedient. Not tip. But truly begin for the first time ever. Don't be offended. Don't be offended. Take the step. I'm telling you. I promise. I didn't say this in first service. If you will be faithful to God for the next 40 days, specifically in this area, and you will start out for the first 40 days of 2020, and then just give, just because it gets us up to 90, which is just three months, if you will give God your first and your best in every area of your life, and you don't begin to see God move specifically in this area of your life, in regards to blessing and provision, Then you come back to our office, you ask for me, and we will write you your check for everything that you gave. I will put my name on it and give it back to you, and you'll never have to give again. That's how confident I am in this principle. I know God will not let the righteous be forsaken or his children begging bread. I've seen it over and over again. Hey, would you please take your tumblers home? Seriously. Seriously, if your tumbler is on that table... Get it out of here. We need you to wrap those boxes up so we can get those out. And then finally, if you're a guest with us here today, thanks for sitting in. We're so glad that you came. We would ask you to just do this one thing. You don't have to give a dime today. We don't even want you. We just want you to give your life to Jesus and fill out a connect card so that we can know how to connect with you, resource you, follow up with you. Turn that in to the welcome desk on the way out today, and we'll give you a gift. Pastor Dylan, come tell us how to worship God with our giving and pray us out of here. But unmuted, it would work. So I didn't get to share these numbers in first service, uh, but I got with Pastor Weston. And we have a bunch of teenagers that are up at winter camp, and they took time out of their Thanksgiving break to go and to see what God had for them over the course of three or four days. And uh, we were able to scholarship seven students that weren't able to, to afford it to be able to go. But because you gave, we were able to send seven kids who were, able to, who were able to get away and just go and just be with God and experience everything that he had for them for a few days. And they still have one day left. They don't even come home until tomorrow. But already there's been 12 of them have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Two have given their life to Christ and 11 have rededicated their life to Christ. That's what we're celebrating. And you know the cool part? As you were part of that because you gave. Because you were generous and you gave and you invested. Those kids got to experience something maybe for the first time. And they'll never be the same. So thank you for that. We give several ways here at New Hope. If you want to continue to be a part of that or, or be a part of that for the first time, you can give at the number on the screen. You can give online at unischurch.com or simply in an, offering, uh, in an envelope in the seat back in front of you. You can take those and drop them off in the offering boxes on your way out. If you have any children, you can pick them up through this door on your way out. If you have any Operation Christmas Child boxes, you can drop those off at the table in the back so we can get those to those kids for, for uh, this holiday season. And uh, as we maintain social distancing as you leave, you can use any exit we have in our facility. Before you leave, if you'll stand, I want to pray a blessing over you. If you'll just stretch your arms out like I'm handing you a gift. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house and your presence this morning. God, I pray that you continue to shine your face upon us and within us. Lord, give us your peace. 
God, everywhere that we go and set our foot, that you would have already been there preparing the way for us to be a divine reflection of who you are to all of those around us. I pray that you continue to strengthen us to be able to meet the vision that you have given this house, which is to meet people and grow close to you together. We love you. We praise you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Love you guys. Y'all have a great week.